This is Lynn from Pickleball Fire. In today's episode, I'm talking with Scott Moore. Scott is the most decorated pickleball player I've interviewed so far, winning seven Triple Crown Pickleball Championships and being the number one rated men's senior player. He teaches throughout the world, traveling to places on his bucket list. Scott talks about two key areas of pickleball that you don't hear much about, the four shot and how to reset points from different positions on the court. Scott is also quite the entrepreneur, as you'll hear about how his hobby of pickleball turned into a great set of businesses. This is really one of the most interesting interviews I've done so far. So let's get to the intro. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Scott Moore. Scott has quite a history in pickleball and is one of the top players in the world, including being one of the top senior male players. Welcome to the podcast today, Scott. Thank you, Lynn. It's good to be with you. Well, I like I mentioned, you do have a lot of accomplishments in pickleball, being a major triple crown winner, having numerous titles. Uh, go ahead and just expand on that a little bit in terms of your accomplishments. Well, I've been, you know, really fortunate to be blessed with great health and long arms, quick reflexes, and some wonderful partners over the years. So it's all uh, not just about me, but, uh, you know, like I said, it, uh, it takes a team and I've had some great teammates. So been fortunate enough to win seven triple crowns, which is one of the things I'm most proud of because those are very tough to come by. I've had several others. I was one one, you know, two golds and a silver in, but, uh, anyway, those are special. And, um, you know, I was able to win six straight one year, six out of six at nationals and, uh, 10 straight events at TOC. So those are all, you know, special memories, although probably my best pickleball memories are the, I think it was 2016 when I won the 50 plus singles, Daniel, my son won the 19 plus and his grandfather won the 85 plus. So we did a three generational sweep of a nationals one day. And that probably uh, means the most to me, although winning in 2018, the bend regional with Daniel and beating a lot of the top pros was also one that I will treasure forever. Well, that's really an amazing set of accomplishments. When you first started playing pickleball, did you have any idea you would be this successful? No, I never dreamed. I mean, I still think, Lynn, at times that I'm going to wake up and it's only going to be a dream because, you know, you can't dream this stuff up. I mean, not just the, the gold medals and success, but the friends and the, you know, travel around the world and the business I now have. We have a pickleball trips business with two of my sons, Daniel and John, and, and basically go on bucket list trips while we check off our bucket list and help others do the same taking them and teaching them pickleball all over the world and have therefore made friends and started pickleball in, you know, dozen, a dozen or so countries and uh, traveled to 20 something. And so it's just been, you know, more fun than I probably deserve and uh, a great journey. No telling where it's going, but it's been a great ride so far. And how did you get started in pickleball? Did you have a, a sports or a tennis background? Yeah, I am totally a racket sport junkie. I mean, I started at six or six or so playing ping pong when my parents gave me a ping pong table for Christmas, which happened to be my favorite, probably Christmas present of all time, because I got to play with my dad, and then I started playing with my boys, and it's just kind of the gift that 
kept on giving. And my mom got me into tennis, actually, and played junior tennis in Texas, played some racquetball in college, got into badminton when we lived in Japan for 10 or 12 years, played that. And then uh, some squash when we got back to the States. So I've pretty much played every racket sport that there is. And uh, it, it set me up for a great start for pickleball. Since you have all that background in racket sports, was it your intention when you first started playing to be a tournament player? Not really. I just got out and you know started playing and having fun. My, my youngest son had got, graduated and left. So we were empty nesters, had some time and and uh, just started playing for fun, had no idea there was tournaments or anything. And then my buddy, Ken Curry, asked me to play nationals in 2013 and went down our first tournament, played the 5050 plus, came away with a silver medal. And at that time, Lynn, I knew 100% that I was totally committed to pickleball and that I would be a national champion for the first and only time in my life opportunity. So I wasn't going to let it go. That's great. And in terms of the training that you do now, you know, I, I've heard of some players who play at your level who may not have that intensive a training regimen. What's yours like? Well, you know, as I was getting older and people were catching up with me, I was looking for some, you know, a little bit of an edge. I, I mean, I was in great shape and I trained off the court with weights and, you know, cardio for about five years from when I started to a couple years ago. And then I found um, a little bit of a secret weapon, which is called blood flow restriction, where I actually use some bands developed by a company called B3 and put them on my arms and legs and they, they restrict the amount of blood flow. So it's like my muscles have to work harder when I'm working out than they ever did before without straining them with weight. So I don't even use weight anymore. But it has taken me to a whole new level of fitness that I never knew was out there, you know, probably at 58, the best shape of my life. And I compare it to when I moved to Colorado 15 years ago and Daniel and I were out training for his tennis tryout. We could barely run because our lungs hadn't adapted. But after six months of, of training in this environment, our lungs just got stronger. We never even noticed we were in Colorado anymore. And these B3 bands have done the same for my cardio and my muscles. I, and, and I can't. I don't think I can even get sore anymore. I never get fatigued and have no recovery. So it's been, and I only work out 15 to 20 minutes a day with them intensively. But uh, so that's my basic training. I mean, I wear them on my legs when I play pickleball as well in training, but uh, the workouts are the most high intense that I've ever had in my life and, you know, have helped me, like I said, just get in the best shape of my life. That's interesting. I've actually never heard of the B3 bands. That's something that I'll definitely have to check out. Where can people find more information on the bands? That is B3sciences.com or getonthebands.com. I have a website called scott.getonthebands.com, but it's something worthy of research. Uh, it was actually invented in Japan about 40 years ago, and they were rehabbing injuries in half the time, which it's still they are still used for that, but also because ours are portable, um, it's also a training aid as well and, and facilitates better health because your resting metabolism goes down. It helps you stimulate growth hormones. So lots of additional really huge health benefits in addition to the training benefit. So let's go ahead and switch gears for a minute. I know you do a lot of instruction, as you mentioned earlier, going throughout the country and actually throughout the world in terms of teaching pickleball. 
You also do have a video series I noticed on your website. One of the things you talk about is teaching 10 principles of pickleball. And I just want to talk about maybe a couple of them today. First one is or the fourth shot, because everybody talks about the third shot drop and you really don't hear a lot about the fourth shot. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, Daniel and I, you know, in trying to come up with a comprehensive, systematic way of teaching, have developed these 10 principles. And we never heard anyone else ever talk about the fourth shot, but we feel like it's really important. What most people do, and it's hit by the, obviously, the receiving team, is they just kind of fluff it back in the middle of the court, making it, in our opinion, too easy for the service team to get to the non-volley line. And so what we want people to do and try to do is actually make them hit not just a third shot drop, but hopefully a fifth shot drop and a seventh shot drop to get in. Because at most levels, it's really hard for people to hit three good drop shots to get in to the kitchen. So it just makes them earn it, It makes it a little more difficult for them to earn a point and earn their way to the kitchen. So we always say, you know, when you are receiving, you're not throwing a kitchen party. They're not invited. Keep them away by making them hit two or three drop shots rather than just giving them one. So the key to doing that is try to take that four shot out of the air and block it back at their feet. A lot of people hit it too hard and make it attackable almost by getting it up above their waist. So we try to block it back at their feet, making it tough for them to hit that fifth shot and or seventh shot, hopefully. Well, that that's great to hear about the strategy behind that. One of the other things I noticed on your site that you talked about was resetting a point. And I really don't think that gets enough attention, but I think it's really critical at higher levels. Absolutely. It's, it's a true differentiator. A lot of people, you know, get into the whatever you want to call it, no man's, no woman's land, and they just hit it too hard. You know, so it comes back to them, they hit it back hard either miss it or continue to get attacked. And it's just kind of a cycle that's very difficult to get out of. So the best way to get out of it is try what we call a reset or block volley, basically decelerating the ball and hitting it below their knee, your opponent's knee, so that they can't continue to attack you. Um, But it takes a lot of skill and soft hands and practice. So most people either don't think about it or haven't practiced it, so don't have confidence to try it. But if you can kind of absorb the energy that's coming at you and, you know, take it back softly. It's really the most fun way to win a point. You're getting blasted. You hit it back at their feet, get in and win the point. And it's just like, well, one of the unique things about pickleball and other racket sports, it's very tough once you get behind because the velocity of the ball is so much faster that you're almost done. But in pickleball, you have this reset shot, reset button, if you will, that allows you to escape almost any situations. So it's really, um, you're not going to do it all the time. It's the toughest shot in pickleball, but when you can execute it, and uh, it's very, can be very effective at winning points that you're not supposed to win, and therefore gaining a mental edge as well, because the other team sometimes gets upset when they are blasting it at you. You reset it, come in, and win the point. So it's effective, difficult, but effective if, if you can learn it, especially, as you mentioned, at the higher levels. And so just to kind of dive into this a bit more, when you're talking about the reset shot, say you're the person hitting that shot, where are you typically hitting that sh- shot from on your side of the court and where are you trying to place it on your opponent's side? Yeah, well, there's three primary scenarios that you get in trouble. This is when you, you hit something when you're in trouble. One would be dinking when you're having 
they've hit a dink into your feet or wide where you're kind of lunging for it or having to run after it. And in that scenario, the dink reset is kind of a cross court because you have more time and more margin and soft shot because if you hit it hard, you're out of position. So that gets you back into position and more cover in the middle of the court on the dink scenario. The other two most common scenarios you find yourself when you're having to reset would be um, after an unsuccessful third shot drop that's basically too high, whether you or your partner hit it, they hit it back at your feet typically, and now you're scrambling from back there. So that is almost more like a bunt. You do have to supply a little bit of energy because you're far farther away from the net, but you're still trying to take a very rapidly approaching ball and take it to their feet softly so that they can't hit the next one at you, down at you. They won't have to hit up on it. In the last scenario, common scenario that in the worst case scenario is when you actually pop up something when you're at the net. Now you only have 14 feet between yourself and a pickleball tattoo. So you have to be very quick. A lot of people will start retreating in this scenario, which is okay if you can retreat before the ball gets to you. But if they've already hit it, you just need to stand there and try to soften it with your hands. Try not to let it go past you. We, we advocate, you know, taking a backhand position, almost like a hockey goalkeeper and just again, absorbing the energy out of the ball so that the next one is they have to hit up on it and not down at you again. Yes, I tend to be one of those people I hate to retreat. So I'm, I'm usually standing there on those types of reset shots. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the best way. Trust your hands rather than your feet because, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say you can't back up and give yourself a little bit more time, but you know, if it's, if they're not just smacking it down at you, I, I advocate, yeah, staying in there, hanging in there, leaning in and really trusting your hands. Now between playing and tournaments and practicing and teaching all over the world is pickleball. Is that what you do full time now? It's actually not. I mean, I'm a professional pickleball player because obviously have won money playing, but it's not my profession. I'm a, I'm a serial entrepreneur and have started 40 businesses the last 40 years or so and um, have about a dozen that are still active. So I stay busy, busy with every, everything from a consulting business in Japan and an import company in Tokyo to a construction company locally that my youngest son is taking over and about eight or nine various pickleball related businesses that, you know, that either I operate or my, my boys operate. Like I mentioned, pickleball trips and we're building the world's premier pickleball destination resort in Prescott, Arizona, just about to break ground on that, which will be open by the end of next year. We've got 78 RV spots and 42 casitas to go with 24 in indoor courts, mostly in a, in a uh, multi-use facility with a restaurant, 7,000 square feet of yard games and restaurant. And it's going to be a a whole different paradigm shift for pickleball. That's one that I'm getting ready to launch and uh, pretty excited about, as well as you mentioned our high performance pickleball Academy video, which has gone ballistic. I think COVID's helped us with that because people are at home still wanting to learn. And we've, we've given our systematic, thorough approach, everything we teach in a video session. So people can watch it in the comfort of their own home. And so that's kind of what I do. I'm just entrepreneurial and um, pickleball has been a hobby that's turned into a great business. Didn't intend it that way, but it's just kind of the way it worked out or the way what I, what I do. And uh, 
So it's been a great blend of, of a couple of my passions, pickleball, entrepreneurship and travel. And uh, like I said, I keep thinking it's a dream, but I'm not waking up. Wow, that's incredible. And I love the way that you're into so many things related to pickleball. How else has, besides increasing your video sales, how else has um, COVID affected what you're doing with pickleball? Well, that's a great question. It's actually wiped out our pickleball trips business. We had 12 overseas trips planned and pretty much sold out this year. We've canceled um, 10 of them. We did Thailand in January. Daniel and I did one of our favorite places. And then we're doing Cabo in December. But other than that, everything in between got wiped out. So what we realized is one of the problems with our business is we have to take people overseas. So that's why we were looking in the first place for a domestic place to bring people and do camps. And now our base camp will be Prescott, Arizona, where at Aspire Sports, you can look more information on aspiresports.com. Um, to see what that's going to be all about. But we'll I'll spend the winters down there teaching and we'll hire and train instructors in our system. And uh, so we'll have pickleball there and places to take people, not only domestically that they can drive to, controlling their environment, you know, which is what people want to do. Um, but also we'll, we're planning to bring people from all over the world because eventually pickleball overseas will outnumber the number of players in the U.S. and we're positioned all over Asia and Europe to start bringing people to the States for pickleball tours and instruction. So we're very excited to have that as a base camp for that as well. That's very true. Actually, I've got a podcast interview coming up with Karen Mitchell, who is involved in pickleball in England. So it, it's just yep. growing incredibly there too. Yep. We know Karen well. And, um, you know, we really thought pickleball was the fastest growing thing we had ever seen. But then you, we looked at RVs and they are even hotter than pickleball. So this is a killer app to, to marry a pickle, pickleball resort, pickleball focused resort. It's not limited to pickleball with the RVs, which are just exploding. So we believe that maybe 20, 30 percent of our customers will not even have played pickleball. Of course, we're going to introduce them when they get there. But that'll come just because it's going to be a world-class pickle, uh, sorry, RV resort in addition to, to world-class pickleball. That's something I can definitely relate to, too. I've got my RV sitting out behind the house. And I just recently, on the Pickleball Fire website, added about 250 RV locations that also have pickleball. So, you know, people are interested in finding out how they can do the two together. I'll have to be adding yours very soon. It sounds like. Yeah. We're going to have to come. You're going to have to come visit us. So we're going to, we're going to, like I said, we're raising the bar for both the pickleball. So tournaments will, will be not weather dependent anymore. We'll have all permanent courts. So it'll be a phenomenal tournament location, but also, like I said, it's going to be one of the nicer RV resorts in the country with as many yard games as you can imagine and golf simulators. So something for everyone. Good deal. Yeah, actually, golf is one of those things that I learned how to play during COVID because uh, I was trying to stay away from people on the pickleball courts. Right, exactly. Yeah, now you can come get instruction on our simulators. You can play any course in the in the world. And uh, basically, it's like you're there with no wind and no travel expenses and and much cheaper. So um, we think that'll be really popular and we're in the process of hiring a golf instructor for that as well. Um, yes, that's going to be a pretty amazing place. Well, it sounds like you're incredibly busy with everything. So let me just finish up with a couple questions. Sure. First one being, which pickleball paddle do you use and why? I use the Paddletex Tempest Wave Pro just because I believe it's the most complete paddle in the game. It, it's a little 
thicker than normal paddles, has a little more absorption, and uh, it has a graphite facing. So it's really soft, has a little grit to it. I have plenty of power. I'm looking for control. So it, it absorbs energy well. It gives me the control I want, a little extra spin, and it's just been the, the most complete paddle, like I said, that I've ever played with, and I've tried a lot of them. Alrighty, and just to finish up, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, where is the best place or places? Well, you know, I'm, I'm a moving target, like I said, and we'll be based in uh, my summers. I'm, I'm about to finish my wife's dream house in Colorado Springs, so we've got a lot of courts going in here, including eight indoor courts at a restaurant that a friend of mine owns, so I'm here, based here for eight months of the year. And we'll be in Prescott, hopefully, for four months of the year in the winters. But uh, in the meantime, pickleballscott at gmail.com is probably the best way to get in touch with me. Send me an email with any questions, and uh, I will get back to them. All right. Well, it's been great having you on the podcast today, Scott. Your background's incredible. Everything you're doing with pickleball is incredible. I appreciate your time so much. Thank you, Lynn. It's an honor to be with you. And like I said, I mean, it's just a joy, labor of love. And and, uh just having the time of my life. So it's been fun to meet various people like you and along the way. And so uh, thanks for your time. Alrighty. Thank you again, Scott. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes.